0: work, it's safe to say that bridge building is important, that you've got to be able to walk between the worlds of matter and spirit or between ego and soul as you interact with the world around you. In spiritual work, Irma, the idea of bridge building, which is not something a lot of teachers talk about, is critical, largely because you're walking in between the the worlds of dark and light or shadow and soul. It depends upon what language you use for that. So, when you saw the topic, I always ask you this, where did it take you? It
1: took me to a place uh, which I already knew, but each time this comes up, what can happen if you don't know how to do that or you don't practice it? Um, I know what has happened for me is kind of a, a vacillating between soul and ego can um, get me to a place of feeling exhausted <laughs> because mm. what what I'm doing in that is um, thinking that I can choose one over the other, which cre- creates an either or. And so um, this is just, I think, one of the most important things to understand about how to be a spiritual being in a world that has become dominated it's- in in the psychological.
0: If if there's challenge there, it's um that it and I and I liked your word when we were talking about it off the air was is that it uh, you felt hypnotized by it. Um mm-hmm. and then when you got a sense of what it was, you went you went like, Oh my gosh, how did that, how did that happen? Well that's that's really what the bridge building is about. Is it's about um going in and out inside yourself and then going out into the world and And interacting with it uh, in a way that seems genuine and real, but also is vulnerable because you're dealing with ego. Because the soul, in that regard, is not in trouble. It's the ego that's in trouble when you're crossing back and forth between this bridge. Why is the ego in trouble, do you think? Why do we feel vulnerable? Because the soul doesn't feel vulnerability. The soul had one original vulnerability, and that was that it came into a world and became incarnate uh, and then very quickly became incarcerated. Incarcerate. Mm. So incarnate changes Whoa. to incarcerate. Yeah. And so we literally wow. uh so, so the soul becomes a prisoner. Uh that's its first and only vulnerability. Uh beyond that, it gets imprinted um in a different kind of way than the ego. The ego gets gets harmed in a different way than the soul does. So in vulnerability, we don't think of the soul's vulnerability because it's already experienced the initial vulnerability, which is it came in free and got incarcerated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so what's the ego's uh, concern? What's the vulnerability for the ego then?
1: That the ego would feel it's going to be exposed?
0: Well, we could say expectations because the ego has a bunch of them. And they can be delusional. They can be fake or made up or whatever. And so we can almost say that what makes the ego vulnerable is whatever it makes up because it is, because it ends up becoming uh, a voice in your head, so to speak, that dictates a particular mm-hmm. script then follows a particular line of thought that then has an, has an end to it that it is potentially hurtful. Uh, this is where the ego goes when it wants to, to defend itself. And so the reason people don't build the bridge is because it's just easier to stay on one side of the equation than the other. You know, it's, it's easier just to say I'm going to stay on the side of ego and not cross and connect with the soul because it's too out there and I don't get it anyway, or stay on the soul side of it and say I'm not going to interact with the world because it's predominantly egoic. And I lost myself once. I'm not going to lose myself again. So it's so it's it's that kind of a thing. When it, when in actuality, it's a balancing act mm-hmm. that that you can't be in this existence and and not go back and forth across that bridge. That's the reason that we that that the majority of us are struggling. That's mm-hmm. the suffering. Remember, one mm-hmm. is longing to be to be to be reconnected to the source. The other one is desiring. To be acceptable mm-hmm. as an ego to be loved mm-hmm. as an ego,
1: I totally get that and um, one thing i I was thinking of um that because I do this myself, <laughs> that trying to be in one or another and that's not always uh, a very conscious thing on on my part, but um I know we've talked about kind of lowering the bridge and raising the bridge, but for me, it seems like at some point to have um, to really arrive and and say in your arrival, there has to be almost a seamlessness between um, soul and ego. So that um, choosing thing or, you know, one or the other goes away. So, um, almost that, that the bridge can stay down. It doesn't have to go
0: right. So what keeps it from being that's, that's a good word seamless. So what would you imagine would would keep the the transition from being seamless? Which is the same word as veil or wall mm-hmm. or de- yeah. <laughs> what makes it uh, what makes it seamless? Or why is it not seamless? I guess is a better way to say that
1: uh, the. Conditioned ego.
0: Which is predominantly driven by fear. Fear really dictates how thick the seam is or how thick the veil mm-hmm. is between the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Now, and remember, we have two kinds of fear. You've got real fear, and then you've got fear that you make up. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is most of it. Which is, which most, of, of, which is <laughs> most of what Exactly. Which is most <laughs> of what it's made up of. It's, that's why I said that the... That the the vulnerability is is really driven by what the ego makes up, so it takes what what is what seems to be real fear, and then magnifies it by a bunch of made up things. Now, in in terms of walking between the worlds, that sounds like you're moving from, from one geographical location to another geographical location. You're crossing an abyss, so to speak, to go in between the worlds. That's fine logistically. What about people? What about the interaction with people? Because that is where we play this out. I said in the introduction of the show that, that we, we build bridges in relationships, uh, but we also build bridges in between dimensions of love, truth, and freedom and fear. What's the difference in relationships versus walking between these two logistics of, uh, of a physical dimension? It's the same thing, it's all the same language. The difference is, instead losing, of uh, losing contact with the soul or making a, 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 um, a choice one side or the other of the equation, now you're afraid of losing the self. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to say, which self are you afraid of losing, the, the spiritual or the psychological? Well, fear is driven by the psychological self, so that's, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of that's coming from. So it's the same language, just played out differently.
1: I guess if you're still kind of bouncing back and forth between ego and soul, it would play out. Once that becomes seamless, wherever you're at, you're at, and yeah. that doesn't change.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah. So, so I fall back to the expectation again. The, in, in terms of the, of the walking between the worlds dimensionally, which is trying to make a decision, do I want to be a spiritual being in a psychological existence, and how do I walk in between those two dimensions in the physical world, um, is you're grounded in one side or the other of the equation, and of course the, the grounded side would be the soul side of that. In relationships, it becomes an internal dynamic where now you're grounded in something inside yourself more than ego. Which allows you then to interact with other egos, and that groundedness,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and that and that groundedness prevents you from being hurt because your mm-hmm. ego is not running the show. And of course, you can see that that's a that's tricky because the ego can hypnotize you.
1: Yes, The ego can <laughs> yeah. trick
0: you, and so you think you're coming from a soul and adult and an authentic place, and then. Lo and behold, you wake up, and you're not because the ego tricked mm-hmm. you, so it's a little bit more uh unconscious it's not it's not in front of you, it's not in front of your eyes because when you're walking between the worlds of the external, you can see the dimensions as you move back and forth between them. It's physically mm-hmm. in front of you in some way internally, you're not conscious of you may have one foot in and one foot out of those dimensions. Mm-hmm and not really knowing which one's pulling and which one's driving you. So it all gets down to some level of dialogue uh, internally with oneself through self-inquiry and the external dialoguing with whatever it is that you're struggling with on the outside to see that dynamic. But um, I think once you find a spiritual dimension or find that the spiritual dimension is real and begin to accept the... Uh, the possibilities and the probability that you are a spiritual being, you don't have to be afraid of the ego's tricks anymore. And this is where it gets more stable. I mean,
1: I, I know I experienced that myself. And the more I experience it, this feeling of um, being tricked by my own ego is, does kind of feel like a shade coming down, which that shade, you know, could, you know, I could replace that with veil. Um, But it is that feeling. And because it's tricky, if that starts coming down slowly, um, there, it it can come all the way down. um, And then I guess a person would be kind of lost in their, their ego self and maybe not find their way back. I don't know.
0: In the world, you make a physical decision to participate or not participate in the collective ego. In relationships, you make a decision of whether or not to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how much vulnerability do you allow? And uh, how much can you withstand or uh, and how much can you interpret as uh, is being OK? Because what we tend to do in relationships is we lose track of where we stop and start and the, and the other person stops and starts because of projection.
1: Mhm.
0: And yeah. so 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 projections a real problem in relationships because one person's a mirror the other person is projecting and vice versa unless there's a,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a you know a certain amount of communication taking place.
1: It it would seem to me based on what you just said uh it really puts an importance on um, understanding your own psychological makeup, I guess, and um, realizing the importance of probably on a daily basis um, doing your inner work, taking a personal inventory, um, mm-hmm. knowing if if you are getting off center, understanding why, and and keeping it um, uh,
0: keeping yourself
1: accountable. Mm-hmm. for um your thoughts, feelings and actions based on that inner work.
0: Well, it's mm-hmm. it's not much unlike the in the existential idea of the container or the prison or the cage that I've talked about before that the bars are made up of your belief Uh in this in this bridge mm-hmm. that I'm talking about and, we'll, and let, let's make it a swinging bridge. I think I have a picture on the on the website of a swinging bridge. Uh each individual plank is symbolic of your belief systems uh, and mm. and the symbolic of your defense mechanisms and all those different kinds of things and so so you are replacing old uh, wooden rotten planks with fresh brand new planks you're you're swapping them out for something it's present tense and and refurbishing this bridge um, as you come in and out of your own internal world and as you interact with the world around you. Uh, and so it is a process of uh, mm-hmm. of examining the bridge. Of um, we talked last week about taking your internal temperature and checking the weather and the barometer of your internal emotional climate and and having a sense of that. Well, it's the same thing with this bridge building ideas. Is that you have to be aware of uh, of what makes up the planks that uh, that build the bridge, and how much of it's present tense. How much of it's real? How much of it's made up?
1: Yeah, I've heard you say that before about the um, the bars being um, beliefs. And as you were just saying it now, I'm wondering if if all beliefs aren't limited in some way.
0: Well, of all course, beliefs. Yeah, yeah, of course, unless unless they're present tense. I mean, it has to do with how old they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, all believing is not the same as knowing. (laughs) And so,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah. So
0: sometimes, sometimes we have beliefs that we don't have any reality tests to kind of bleed out whether or not they're valid beliefs, but we hang on to them anyway out of habit or whatever, or just out of personality Mm -hmm. dynamics, which is what the personality is. It's nothing but just a conglomeration of beliefs and traits and ideas about things. So so to me it's it's um you're not trying to get uh, get rid of beliefs 100% as much as you are trying to figure out which ones are working for you and which ones are not, which ones are past tense and which ones of them are present tense and swapping them out as they fit the moment instead of mm-hmm. uh you know going back into your history and and remembering the rickety risky bridge you know
1: yeah 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 and i think i've heard you say before kind of uh doing a um reality test or testing Mm -hmm. the integrity of of the uh present day beliefs to see how integral they are
0: yes yes
1: Yeah, yeah yeah
0: it's the same thing with the bridge absolutely so, so I, I I hope we haven't been going back and forth too much on the on the topic to confuse the listeners. We're talking about two different mm-hmm. kinds of bridges. One is the the bridge between the dimension of ego and soul, which is um, your inside and your outside world. You're building a bridge between your inner life and your outside reality, and vice versa. The one you're grounded in, that's most important, of course, is internal. If you're grounded in the external, you're in trouble. You're mm-hmm. like a kite without a holder, you know, uh, uh, that, which can, would just fly off into, into, into open space <laughs> without being grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's very important to understand that in, this, in the concept of bridge building, uh, in terms of dimensions, it's an inside-out building process. And then going back and forth from those two dimensions. In relationships, it's between uh, you and another human being, so that you're, you are you want to be sure that the bridge you're building uh, is coming from an authentic, true place. And so it's either a soul-to-soul or a heart-to-heart bridge. It cannot be a soul-to-ego or ego-to-ego bridge, which is what most people are doing. Most people are building mm-hmm. ego-to-ego bridges. I say all the time yeah. that love is easy. It's it's personalities coming together that is difficult. So it's uh, and I said before that souls merge and egos collide. Well, that is literally mm-hmm. literally what happens in, um, in the bridge building of relationships is that if you don't have a a heart to heart or a soul to soul connection, then it's an ego to ego connection and you're in trouble. If you can imagine that you're having a um, a heart discussion with the ego and the ego doesn't want to participate it'll it'll take the bridge from the heart connection and take it right to the ego connection. It'll swap it out on you and this is what the shadow does and so it's real tricky on being able to uh, to understand where the dialogue's coming from, where the script's coming from, and that's it because we're all kind of script driven until we stop being script driven
1: I like your um analogy of the kite and and um the necessity of uh having a holder of the kite to be grounded, because, yeah, I, I just think of different experiences in my life and and different relationships and different experiences with with people. And there are some people that really seem kind of way out there and not grounded at all. And some people that seem so grounded, they don't, they're almost like in a box, they're so grounded.
0: One of the questions that you had off the air is how do you interact with the collective ego and not lose yourself to it? And the answer is that as long as you're grounded in the soul, you know, to the authentic aspect of who you are, you can't lose yourself to the collective ego. The fact that you know the difference between what it would be like to be lost and be found in that equation says you can't Mm -hmm. go into it blindly again. But you can lose yourself to the collective again Because you have once before or many times before, and that's not valid because you were asleep before and you're awake now. The Mm -hmm. only way that that would happen in a collective idea is if you were just totally thrown into a survival mode 100% and had no way to get back to your ground. Relationships, it's a different animal because – and here's the reason why. In the outside world, there's only so many scripts, only so many scenarios. In the outside world that the ego mm-hmm. can go back and revisit. Interpersonally, mm-hmm. there's thousands of scripts that go all the way back to every single interpersonal relationship we've ever had. So there's thousands of ways that the ego can trick you into being afraid of, uh, of that possibility of losing yourself um, mm-hmm. because that's where we play it out. We only play out this, this division against self and others with people. I mean, there's no other way to do it. You can't live mm-hmm. in a cave by yourself and do it. You have to go out and play it out against people to sort it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's why, the, that's why the ego's got so many more tricks up its sleeve uh, and why the shadow's got so many tricks up its sleeve that you've been doing this for as long as you've been alive, this business of playing out scripts and relationships. And uh, and whether or not they're, you're conscious of them or unconscious of them, they're still playing, and they're playing in the background.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you got to be aware of what those are, and and uh, which is a, you know, a lot of self inquiry, a lot of reflection, and 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 hopefully, a, a people that are willing to dialogue with you about what you're experiencing, and that's typically where it falls short in, in relationships because one person wants to dialogue, the other one doesn't, or vice versa, or mm-hmm. doesn't know how to, which is even worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> doesn't know how to reflect, doesn't know how to do any of that. So if you understand that you have a a counselor, mediator, critic, and bully inside of you, that one or more of those voices are communicating back and forth internally, and you want to you want to keep in mind is you're having this internal discussion with yourself about whatever struggle you may be going through, that it's only a struggle because no one's real clear on what the goal is. And so therefore, there's a break in the symbiosis. In other words, there's a break in why the communication is taking place at all. The communication internally is taking place not to do self-hatred and self-blame and self-loathing. Uh, it's to is to integrate and to heal and to bring you more into mm-hmm. the present. And, mm-hmm. so, and so why suffer needlessly when you could suffer purposely? And that's the thing, is, is that as we say we're struggling with something, we don't want to get caught up in the why or even the why me, which is the victim part of it, and go, you right. know, because I'm struggling because, I need to sort this out because it's keeping me from being present with myself and present with my life. And I need to apparently get out of my own way mm-hmm. uh, because that's the only possible thing that could prevent the soul's incarnation. So in other words, if you're feeling incarcerated, and that's the fear that we talked about off the air, is is that, you know, Ernie, if I interact with the collective and the collective shadow, I've done such a good job of not doing that, Uh What about my fear of becoming incarcerated? Well, there's no way you can ever be incarcerated. The soul's already there. It's already incarcerated. (laughs) Just by the very fact that you make the statement that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my freedom, you've just lost it in that statement. That's how Mm -hmm. tricky the Mm -hmm. ego is. I'm afraid I'm going to feel like I'm in prison. Bad news, you're there right now as soon as you you make the statement because that's how fast it happens. Because the soul Mm -hmm. would say, I'm not in prison. I, I'm, I am fully embodied. I am fully here. Uh, why are you talking about prisons? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were free. What happened? You know, <laughs> this is what the soul would say if it had a voice in that communication. But since it doesn't communicate that way, it's at the mercy of that egoic dialogue of back and forth. And as you said, the hip, you know, being, being hypnotized by the ego and distracted mm-hmm. by it.
1: Yeah, I like that you said, uh, you know, struggle or suffer, suffering, um, needlessly or
0: intentionally. Yeah, purposefully. Yeah, purposely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, purposely. yeah. yeah. I mean, because uh, otherwise, cause otherwise, it is. Yeah, because otherwise, it's incredibly debilitating, mm-hmm. and also very helpless, uh, very helpless yeah. feeling to think that yeah, you know, I've got this struggle going on going on inside of me, and I have no control over it. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You are the yeah. struggle that's going on inside of you. And you are 100% in control of it. And, and, um, but I think what, what you and I've talked about is that you've got to make some logistical shift, some logistical move to get a hold of it. And that's not true either, you see. That's made up. There's nothing logistical that has to happen. But this is what we do. We take, uh, we take time out. We meditate. We take a walk in the woods. And what are we doing that for? To get away from our own thinking to get away from our own scripts, our own pattern of thought, just for a moment to catch our breath, you know, because it's because it's taken us over.
1: Is there an end to that? I mean, is there truly an arrival of um, that is consistent and without struggle? Is there uh, nirvana? Is there <laughs> enlightenment? Is there uh, what it seems like a lot of spiritual people are seeking some kind of blissful permanent?
0: I mean, yes, there's a place of uh, of contentment and a place of tolerance. And I think that's what you get down to when you consider that, that what crazy is, and I, I like this way to describe it better than any other, is volume then there is a time and a place and a life and a circumstance that the volume is a whisper, but the screaming isn't there. Uh, And so you're asking me the question, do we ever get rid of the whisper? I don't think so.
1: That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we're supposed to. I don't think we're supposed yeah. to. I don't think we're supposed to really. I was to just thinking
1: that same thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that part of the whisper is uh to um to keep us on our toes so to speak. And and mm-hmm. when I say keep us, I mean keep the ego on its toes because if the ego isn't mm-hmm. kept in an adult place, it will regress. If the ego isn't parented uh at some level, it will regress because it's a creature of habit. And it's very easy to fall back into back into old habits. I don't think that the that the inner voices really ever stop because, uh, or the chatter ever really stops. I think what happens is that the volume is lowered. And then you can select much better. There's no shouting one over top the other. You can select mm-hmm. which voice you're going to uh, listen to and which one you're going to interact with and dialogue with. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy probably to the listeners, but uh, but This idea of inner dialogue is is pretty valid. We're talking about ego states. And many of the counseling psychological theories uh, break it down into ego states. Uh, Mm -hmm. Freud broke it down into id, ego, and superego. Eric Byrne broke it down into parent, adult, child. There's all different ways we talk about these inner voices. And, and of course, in my work, I'm calling it counselor, mediator, critic, and bully. The point is we have these dichotomies uh, inside of us. That are seem to be combating one another in an opposition to one another, and it really is only because uh we aren't real clear who's supposed to have the floor, <laughs> who's supposed to be the the dominant voice or the dominant one that we're listening to, and what we've kind of inadvertently done over time is put the ego in in the front of the table, running the meeting, <laughs> you know, and hmm. uh yeah. And uh, when the ambience and the tone of the meeting is driven by the soul and spirit of who we are or said in a in a more spiritual way, the feelings that we have, where our heart is and what our authentic self is, is what should be running the meeting or the internal dialogue that we are struggling with. But somehow we've put the ego at the head of the head of the table and it's running the show. And this is part of the problem
1: yeah yeah and and the importance of um good communication between those those inner voices when you said you know the the loud screams uh turning into whispers and that the whispers are necessary and why that really made sense to me and gives me another way of of looking at that um going between the two worlds.
0: Yeah, and which one is is which one is adult, which one's childlike or mm-hmm. or even teenage like, adolescent like in its dialogue. Um I had a client this week who was talking about um reconnecting with mental health and I think they're taking ADD medicine already, but they also battle with some depression and this was, I believe, a a twenty year old client, now that I'm thinking about it, and she had said that I I stopped going because they were playing with the medication and they were making me suicidal. Well, what she was describing to me is is, you know, in her own way, is I have suicidal ideation all the time, but the medication made me want to do it. So what she was wow. implying is is that the medication was raising the volume of that internal dialogue. So take that conversation away from synthetic medication and let's just make it now metabolism. Let's make it caffeine. Let's make it sugar. Let's make it exercise or not or sitting on the couch Mm -hmm. and being sedentary. Uh, The the chemicals that move through our body fuel the electromagnetic field that is us and literally impacts our thinking. A thought Mm -hmm. goes nowhere without a charge, so it means it goes nowhere without an emotion. And so we have a bio uh, a bio field that is very aware and sensitive to our inner lives as well as our external lives, which then mm-hmm. impacts how much our thoughts get charged. And we all think crazy thoughts. This is what people don't realize. Everybody has crazy thinking. Mm-hmm. Not everybody acts on yeah. it. Not everybody brings it into their awareness, but everybody at some level has had a crazy thought, for goodness sake.
1: Add sleep to to that. Oh, yeah, that Sleep that deprivation. That- yeah.
0: Or, yeah yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, uh, and so and so just just be aware that when we're talking about uh, bridge building, we're talking about also the bridges that are taking place internally between the soul and the spirit, the symbiotic connection between the heart and the soul, uh, the symbiotic connection between the ego and the human spirit. These are all bridges of some sort that are connected, that are out of your awareness until they're not anymore. And if you if you understand that they are that they're connected, not much unlike umbilical cord, uh, to get us all to kind of the same place, which is first of all using our complete capacity to navigate our internal lives as well as our external lives, to activate that and make it as, as good as it possibly can be, so that we can fully be in this experience. Like I said, the soul comes in incarnate. And is very briefly free before it becomes in- incarcerate, which is prisoner mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the ego, personal and collective ego.
1: Could you just talk a little bit because it, it really stood out to me and I just I just love that. Um, one and one equals a third thing yeah. when the bridge is functional. And yeah. when one and one equals two, the bridge isn't working. Well, Can that's... A little bit about that
0: yeah that's the that's the soul's merge and the egos collide that's that's mm-hmm. what that means that one plus one uh, in, in terms of the uh, terms of relationships means that two egos uh, are interacting and there is no there is no real authentic communication or connection taking place. one plus one equals two in that kind of a scenario, but when something real happens between the uh the two people that are communicating. Which means two souls are connecting. Then there is emerging, and in that merging, a third possibility occurs. And the third possibility is one plus one equals three. So, in relationship language, it's it's no longer I and me; it's us and we. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you 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 move from an I and me to an us, and that literally is what a relationship is: one plus one equals three. And if yeah, it do, if yeah. it doesn't equal that. And it's only one plus one equals two, then you're vulnerable for it to not last very long. Or you're vulnerable mm-hmm. to for one to be pitted against the other at some level. And so that vulnerability and that's what typically happens in a lot of in a lot of relationships is which is why the divorce rate's so high and that one plus one in most cases equals two. There is no third thing happening. And so people try to force it, and of course you can't do that. You can't make one plus right. one equal three. It has to be a a natural, spontaneous right. thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because if if one and one are equaling two, because it's ego with ego, there it, it, you there is no connection.
0: There is a connection, but it's shallow and it's egoic. <laughs> it's surface, mm-hmm. It's personalities. You know, it's all personality related. It isn't. It isn't any deeper than that. And that, to mm-hmm. me, is really what a soul. What a soul connection or what a soul mate would be is, is it when that third thing happens easily.
1: I get it, that there, there would be a connection with ego and ego. It just can't lead to evolving and, and being expansive. But,
0: but it is quite predictable, and it will let itself be put in a box. Mm. <laughs> that's, mm. that's, yeah, it is quite predictable, and it will allow incarceration. And, but where a soul-to-soul connection is not going to allow that at quite the same level. Now, how I would talk about that in regards to the outside world, uh, one plus one equals a third possibility would be the creative the act of creation itself uh, that when you're when you are expressing as the unique soul that you are in the world, and that expression uh, has 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 been something that has been preparing itself for a length of time in your life. Meets up with opportunity, then something is created and manifested in the world because of it, mm-hmm. um, which is a different kind, which is a different kind of one plus one equals three, yeah, so in relationship, you make babies in the world, you create something uh, mm-hmm. and uh and so it's a different it's the same process except it's external and it's it's driven by different energy and remember egos have got different needs. In relationships than than the soul. The soul is, if it's moving towards a a place of of autonomy or a place of freedom, uh, it isn't codependent, it isn't enmeshed, it isn't driven by any of that, where the ego is driven by all of that. Um, And so it's, yeah, so it's a totally different animal in terms of how it plays out. In the outside world, yeah. versus, versus the yeah, inside world.
1: and what an important thing to mention about the um, the creative piece of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, because uh, yeah, because if I have anything that I want people to get from the from the teaching that's coming through the soul's intent is that um, we all we all are a unique expression uh, that is being incarcerated by an egoic idea of who we think we are. We have a an unknown or unbeknownst kind of known or understanding of that expression, because we want it to be seen and recognized in the world, and um, either by somebody or by a bunch of somebodies. Either way, we we have a we have a need to be seen. Uh, the older mm-hmm. that we get, um, and I think that um, that 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 expressive quality is a piece of that. Our our own creative expression of self is something that we want the world to recognize and acknowledge because otherwise we're we're not in a reciprocal relationship with life. It it would be like like a, a garden that has a particular species of plant in it, and those plants produce their own individual kinds of flowers that is unique to that particular species of plant. Well, human beings are a lot like that. We're all looking to be recognized for the flower that we are. Instead of the mm-hmm. instead of the flower that everybody else seems to have, <laughs> uh, wow. or the or the, mm-hmm. or the flower that dominates the garden, whatever the flower is, and and that and that is what one plus one equals three. I think in the outside world is that we that we get a unique expression that in a garden of sameness is uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.